What's up, everybody? Welcome back to My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Ripe, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today's podcast is definitely all about manifestation and entrepreneurship and money with millennial money witch, Jesse De Silva. Jessie was a former lawyer, and after losing her job, she quickly pivoted to get into business coaching and now combines her business background to provide business strategy and mixes it with her own psychic gifts and intuitive energy to bring business coaching to new entrepreneurs. She is an amazing resource. I love her Instagram. She has so many valuable IGTVs, and we get into it today. We talk about her psychic gifts and how she started opening up about them, and that's what really changed her business, how she was able to manifest $30,000 in just two weeks after losing her job during COVID, what she has advice for around millennials and entrepreneurship, which was very helpful for me, and then other things including which she spells to manifest abundance, how to reframe debt. I mean, we go so many different places in this episode. It was so helpful, and I know you're going to love it, especially if you're a new entrepreneur or anyone that has money mindset blocks or is learning how to heal that relationship with money. You are going to love this episode. So when you listen to this, make sure you follow Jesse at J underscore DeSilva, and you can also find me at Chelsea Rife, and upload it to your Instagram stories, tag us, and let us know what your favorite part about this episode was. I have so many favorite parts, I just named half of them in this intro, but let us know what you think. And as always, if you find value in these episodes, whether that's being entertained, educated, informed, or just sitting down and having a laugh, let us know and leave me a review on iTunes. They are super helpful with visibility. And like I always say, words of affirmation is my love language. So I love reading them and seeing how this podcast impacts you. I'm going to keep this podcast intro short and sweet today because this is a longer one. It's over an hour. But if you want to work with me, just DM me at Chelsea Rife or visit my website, ChelseaRife.com. I have several new things coming out in a group setting. I love the live experiences. I love the short one to three day experiences as well as masterclasses. And I'm opening up my one-on-one coaching enrollment soon. So if you are interested and you want to be on the wait list for that, again, just DM me at Chelsea Rife or head to my website and contact me and we will set up some time to chat. All right, with that, let's dive into this episode today with millennial money witch, Jesse De Silva. Guys, we are back with a millennial money witch called Jesse De Silva. First of all, I am absolutely obsessed with that name. And second of all, your title couldn't be more perfect for all the topics I've been covering around money mindset, witchiness, spirituality. Oh, I cannot wait to get into it. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So you are the first guest I've ever had on that is from my rival college, University of Florida. I went to FSU, so we've come together to unite. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I can't believe it. What a small world. A small world, but somehow now you're in my college town, Tallahassee. So how is it over there? I know. It's um it's been pretty chill. I mean, we're not near the campus. Like we moved back because my fiance is getting his PhD at FSU. So if we can stomach the rival at home, I can stomach it for a podcast. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So you guys see how small the world is. I had no idea until I really started getting into your content. I'm like, I love that these the, the internet can bring in the most crazy relationships and connections. So it's wild. And Floridians, yeah. especially, we're everywhere. 
It is nuts. We really are everywhere. So Millennial Money Witch, first of all, where did you get that title and what does that mean? So the title actually came from Forbes. It's what they put in my headline when they were talking about me. And I was like, okay, I'll roll with that. And I think it came from basically like I teach, I am a business coach, but I do teach a lot of like magical principles, manifestation, mindset. And that's what brings like the fun flair to what I do. And yeah, I guess that's where it came from. They were like, oh, she's a millennial. She talks about money. She's a witch. Let's call her the millennial money witch. So I just rolled with it. I love it. I think it's so fun. Okay. But also just casual Forbes. Can we talk about that? How did that article even come about? Yeah. So I had, I mean, I had a wonderful, wonderful publicist who was working for me, but it was definitely the culmination of, uh, it was a manifestation. And it's so funny because I, I had run a full moon ceremony, like a little ritual with little spell work with a really cool group of women around. Um, I think it was, it was in the, I, we had like two full moons in October. And so I think it was the first of them. And then this came through. It was an, it was an unblocking spell ritual that we did and like a road opener is what it's called. So we did a road opener spell and then this came through and I had been pitching Forbes for about like months before. And then this just like popped through no problem. Wow. Yeah. What was that like when you saw your name just casually on Forbes? Oh my God. It was like, very surreal. I was like, kept like going back to the link. I was like, they're going to have like 200 page visits just from me because I can't believe that's my name there. (laughs) But it was, um, it was just, it was really cool. It was super surreal, but yeah, it was. And it was such a fun article. Like if there was any way for me to have like a first time appearance in a major publication like that, I'm glad it was for Halloween. and I'm glad it was around magic. Right. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So I know you went to UF and I went to FSU and I know for a fact, at least at FSU, there was not a program around business coaching. So how did you get into your work specifically? Oh, I kind of, I, I will say that I fell into it a little bit. I'm somebody who always has to experience things before I teach it. I don't know why that's just always been my patterning, I guess. And so I originally started out as a career coach and specifically around job hunting. So I had been working at a nonprofit. I had experimented with businesses in the past. I had done a little bit of network marketing and I knew I wanted to run my own business and had started it, had hired a coach. And a week after dropping a lot of money on a credit card toward my coach, I was actually fired from my job. And it ended up being like the best blessing because I had wanted to leave. It just kind of shifted the timeline a lot for me. So I started out job hunt with doing job hunt coaching and I learned all these lessons about business. I basically like I'm, I'm what's called a projector in human design. So I love to learn systems. So I learned tons and tons about marketing, about how to run a business, about how to do like webinars and how to, you know, use different kinds of social media and the different strategies that come with it and all of this different stuff. And after I had had several job hunt clients, 
and frankly, it hadn't been a very successful endeavor. Like I, I always, I only ever had like a handful of, and I did all the things that you're not supposed to do. So I ended up cashing out a small 401k because like things weren't happening very quickly. I burned through like my savings. And when the pandemic hit in the US and everyone went into lockdown, I saw it as a time for opportunity where I was like, okay, well, job hunting's get like jobs are going to go on hold for a little bit just as everybody panics. So people are going to need a way to make money. So let me start business coaching and teaching how I started my business to people who need more income, how they can start online businesses and use their genius to bring in that income. And once I made that shift and I had, I had been working on my mindset that whole time, but I really dived into it around then. And once I made that shift where I said, okay, now I'm going to do business coaching. It all happened in about two weeks. In two weeks, I made $30,000 in sales. I sold out my one-on-one coaching package. And like for the next, like, I think three to six months, I was easily making like over 10K in cash. So that's how that's how I got my start. And I've stayed there ever since. Now the only difference is I teach business strategy, but I also teach like the mindset, the manifestation, and the magic behind it. Wow. I know so many people that can relate to this because they either started businesses during COVID, I am one of those people, or people right now because COVID is still happening, they realize maybe I want to start my business because it's the time. Like I really want to look into my skills and my zone of genius. So I'm curious, what were some early entrepreneurship lessons you can share or advice that you would give to someone having that itch? I would say go for it. Honestly, like the only way to figure out exactly what you want to do is to try it on. It's like buying clothes. Once you know a brand fairly well, it's like you can buy online. But if you're buying for the first time from from anywhere, you need to try on that dress or that top or those pants in a few different styles and see if they look good, see if you like the quality before you can like shop there without without issue. So you got to try it on always. And you can do that by like taking on like a couple pro bono clients. That's something I always recommend for people who are just experimenting and starting out. I say like, you know, take on like maybe like a couple people that you want to just see how things go. And you can work on a trade basis or you can just um, do it for freebies, for funsies and see how you like it. Because I've seen a lot of people who start out as one thing and then realize after they've had a few clients are like, mm, I'm not sure I like that. And then they, then it's like more challenging to like change your brand. Like it was with my job hunt coaching. Like that was something I did very suddenly, um, was like changing out of that into business coaching. But yeah, I had to like, like I'd been talking for eight months about like job hunting. So then I had to like start cultivating a new audience. So I always say, just try it out. Just try it out. Lead a free class or take on like one to two clients and just see how it goes. And then once you're like, okay, yeah, I like this. I'm having fun. That's when you can start like, like immediately start taking paying clients. Like I don't care if it's $25. Like I, I say that after that, like you shouldn't do any more free, free work. That is really good advice because the other thing to think about too is 
a lot of people want to get that money early on. You know, I want mm-hmm. that big package. I want that big client. But it's like, do you even know what processes that you need in place to handle a big client or handle that amount of money or, um, you know, offboarding and onboarding, like all these little things like you're talking about to just kind of test it out with other clients and do, like you said, an energy exchange, some type of trade. Um, it's something I also did and I recommend as well. I, I started out with a very, very low cost one-on-one package and you quickly learn wow, my time is worth way more than that. So it is also kind of a good way to gauge your pricing. Like, wow, I really don't want to work for that little amount of money. And then with the trying things on, wow, I wish I knew that back when I tried to start my yoga business, I did my yoga training and I all of a sudden had this idea. I wanted to be an online yoga instructor and create an app. And I went head in. I like got my yoga branding done, a website. I started emailing like all these fitness instructors to see instructors to see what platforms they used. And then after teaching for a month, I was like, I actually don't like this at all. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I was stuck with like a website and I still have it. I need to like go update it. And then I kind of had to tell my clients, Hey, I'm actually not sure that this is my soul's purpose. I want to shift into something else. And I looking back, I do wish I maybe took more time to be more careful with that type of planning but yeah and that goes for everybody I mean like I went to law school only to come out and be like I don't like being a lawyer and you know now I'm saddled with student loan debt so it's like you have to try it on first you want to see what like an average day in the life is like you want to see like how much energy you use and you know for me like I I love working with people one-on-one but I also found like the power of like a really like cool group program with like a lot of people that you love. That's also been really fun for me, but I would not have known that if I hadn't like tried it out first. Like now I'll try things out by like I'll attend somebody else's thing. Like I'll pay to like be in a group program or go to a workshop and see like, ooh, do I like how this feels being on the other end of this? Is this something I want to do? And that's how, that's basically how I run things now is I, I try it out first. I always say like, like to try it out one-on-one, then I'll try it out like with a group and then I will, then I can transition it into an online course or something like that. Absolutely. You can always change your mind. That's something I think we get caught up in. Like, especially when you go to college, like, Oh, I should have just stayed in this one lane. I need to work up the corporate ladder, but in business, it really is like, no, I need to shift and pivot very quickly. I don't like this, or I just don't feel aligned with this. Whether that is, like you said, one-on-one or groups or digital courses, whatever the case may right. be. Um, it's. I do also think there's something to be said when you don't try it, then you look back and you're like, damn, I wish I tried that. So like yeah. you said, it's just get it off, get, out of the, get it out of the way, see if you like it, and then work from there. So you talked about how basically everything started clicking because you worked a lot on your mindset. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear like very specifically what unlocked your abundance mindset, like practical tools and tips, whether that's books, resources, exercises, and what you do today to really keep that abundant mindset flowing. Yeah. So um, I'm a huge fan of the manifestation platform to be magnetic. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yes. Phillips. I'm obsessed with them. Yes. So they've been real, like that really kicked off my journey on a lot of this was just really confronting things from that. And then a lot of it's been my own guidance through like books. So I love Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass at Making Money. And I always tell people, 
don't get the audiobook. Like, read the book and do the fucking journal prompts, okay? Am I allowed to curse on you? Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. I was like, it doesn't work if you don't do the journal prompts. You got to, like, actually, like, space them out. So it's one of those books where it's, like, don't rush through it. Take, like, maybe a chapter a week and, like, absorb it. So that was really big for me. The other thing was just um, it's finding like role models for myself. So not just like, and when I say role models, I mean like, yeah, I relate to Mel Robbins because she's also a blonde who wears glasses and she's a coach and everything. But Mel Robbins is so far removed from the success that I have where I am right now that it doesn't feel believable. I don't necessarily see myself in her because like that's like she's 10 steps ahead. So I have to find role models who are a few steps ahead of me. So coaches who are making their first half a million or their first million, like that's who I'm looking at. Like I'm finding people who have either a similar background, a similar personality, or even just like a physical look to me where I'm like, oh, they remind me of myself. So that's part of it. And then the other kind of role model I like to seek out is somebody who is doing what I do and just doing a terrible job, like just totally awful. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm embarrassed watching this, but they're getting paid and they're making it work. Like they're, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so much better. I know I can make money if they're making money and people are paying them. I know I can. So that's like been a big thing too, is like showing yourself, like we're always harder on ourselves than we need to be. And like, I guarantee you somebody out there is making money and not even a shred of as talented as you are. So that was a big part of it for me. And then getting into like some of the magic stuff has been really fun because that's the thing no one tells you about business is we tend to think of it as something that needs to be really serious. And if you're not having fun in your business, then there's then why are you even doing it? Like hating your life is for being in a nine to five job that's not in alignment. And if we were content with that, we would have stayed in those careers. But if you start a business, normally it's because you want freedom, fun, flow. If that's how you're feeling, then like you need to have that all the time. You need to find a way to have that every day. 100% agree. And I've never heard someone say that they also look for basically a, a non-role model because it usually is like you said, people look for the role models. I know in TBM, they, I think they call them expanders. Um, yes. Love that as well. I always look to expanders, but to your point, sometimes I look at people, I'm like, what the fuck is this website? Like, what is this branding? This website, like nothing's even working on here yet. Somehow they're making a million. Like I clearly mm-hmm. have the capacity to set up links that work and and a navigation that is easy to read and people can easily book with me. So it's so interesting to hear the opposite side of it. Like, yeah, I want to just see that I am talented and I have the capabilities. And really the fun part, that is something I think so many entrepreneurs don't talk about is in the beginning, you are so obsessed with getting things off the ground that you actually start to lose a little bit of the fun. I know I did. I was like, I got to do this every day and then I got to do this, this, Mm -hmm. this. And all of a sudden it would be 10 PM and my boyfriend would be like, why are you still working? And I'd be like, what was the point of starting my own business if I'm not even going to leave the apartment? That's not fun at all. So what were some of those lessons you learned? Like, did you hit burnout or did you just know early on from other careers, I need to make space for fun and pleasure in my business and outside? 
oh, it happens all the time. And it's, and I'm just like naturally like somebody who like I, I go down rabbit holes. I have, um, anxiety, depression, and ADHD. So like ADHD, I get like hyper fixated on things. So say I do a sales page, like I may not come up from that for hours and I need to. Yeah. So for me, it's like understanding and I always have to be in touch with my energy. You know, I'm always like, does this feel good? Does this feel good? And like, it happens all the time. We just kind of, um, especially if you have any kind of codependency in your background, which I think a lot of women do, you just have such a high tolerance for bullshit. It's, it's honestly astounding. Like the, it's essentially like white noise in your life where it's like, I don't like this, but I'm going to keep doing it because I have to do it. And I had to start cutting those things out where I had to start basically saying like, this doesn't feel fun. So I'm not going to do it. And really getting comfortable with doing C minus work rather than like A plus work that never sees the light of day. Because that's the other thing is that we think in order to run a business or have a successful brand, everything needs to look perfect. And that's the whole point of having like essentially like a negative role model because they're showing you that you don't have to be perfect to make money. It's the same thing. Like you really don't have to. I know that when I first started out, I would have been mortified if I had typos. Like I said, I'm a former lawyer and a former journalist. And I had to learn, like now I'm at the point where if there's a typo in something, like I've had people be like, hey, there's a typo on like page eight of your guide. And I'm like, okay, do you get the point of it? Then fine. I'm not going to like, it's it's annoying to go back and edit a PDF. Like I don't want to do that. Right. So I just leave it. So a lot of the lessons I've had to learn is like being okay with everything not being totally perfect and just like putting it out there and just letting it get done. Because I always say like, if you were a straight A student in school growing up or, you know, you generally had good grades or whatever, you, you tend to have this feeling now where it's like, I'd rather not turn in the work and take, get 10 points off, but get everything right. And so still get the A by getting a 90 rather than turning it in early and getting a B. Even though, you know, if you had turned it in early, you probably would have been fine. Like, but that's the kind of mindset that we tend to have in business when we first start out is like everything has to be like absolutely perfect in order to, in order to work. And it doesn't because it just needs to be, it just needs to be what you want it to be. And it just needs to be fun. And if you're spending all this time making every, every little thing perfect, then you're not, you're really not having fun at that point. Oh yeah. This immediately resonates with me. I got, I went to FSU, but then I got my master's at Loyola in a program called digital media and storytelling. So it was about telling stories through audio, video, etc. So we had to make the project beautiful. I mean, that's really what the whole program was about. So then I went into corporate America. I worked in influencer marketing for six years, where literally all I was doing was looking at the quality of content of influencers, their spelling, making sure it was with brand guidelines, like that was my job. So then when I started my business, I had that paralyzing perfectionism that you're talking about, where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this little graphic isn't centered and oh my gosh, I made a typo or what if a client wants a refund? I mean, I was coming up with what if scenarios left, right and center. And I would talk to all these other business coaches or coaches in general that would be like, oh my God, you've made up like every scenario in the book. I never had these things happen. Like, 
I don't know why you're coming up with this. I'm like, I'm taking my corporate American background and infusing it into my business, which is not what I wanted to do, but it's so hard to let that go. So what eventually happened that you were like, yeah, I don't need to put my lawyer and journalist lens on this every single time. I guess it was just getting more comfortable with with who I was. And I think that a crucial point in that like story arc was me just like coming out and saying that I had psychic gifts and I used them in coaching because that was true, but I wasn't saying that. And it turned out, and it's so funny because I was so concerned because of course everybody in my audience was either a lawyer or a journalist because that's what I grew up around. That's what I, you know, went to college and law school for. That's who was in my network. And I just came out and started talking about it. And I just, and I would do card polls on my Facebook and all of this. And I realized like, I I was astounded at how many people came forward to be like, me too. Oh my God, I have that too. And you, you truly never know like what people are thinking when they show up. It's like, if you had control over what people thought about you, then you could meet a group of like five people and they would all have the same opinion, but they don't. That's just not how people work. So for example, like I would do, like this was like a month or two after I'd been fired from my job. So I'm like a job hunt coach and I'm doing like intuitive stuff as well. And so I would go live every week and do card pulls for people. And I had an old law school classmate and he would come to every single one. He would never comment. He would never ask for a card. He would, he was just like a lurker and I could see him watching and then that was it. And I was like, I don't know what's up with this dude because it's not like we were like close friends. It was like, you know, just a, an old classmate. And then when I announced like, oh, I've got, this is like my general reading and like, here's how much it costs. He was the first person to message me and he was like, do you do these as gifts? Because I'd really like to get my aunt one. I think she would love it. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Like totally. So he bought it for his aunt for Christmas. And when I gave her her reading, she had such a great time. And now he's like my hype man. So like anytime I go live with a card reading, he's like, Jesse's amazing. My aunt still talks about it. So I guess that that was an experience that allowed me to kind of start really showing who I was. And I became less afraid of like the backlash. And then of course, like the more authentically I was showing up, the more I was magnetizing like that ideal audience to me who valued all of that. Like, you know, I've, I've done lives and I've shown up like in a sweatshirt or like I've had a towel in my hair before. I'm just talking about a concept because I got a strike of genius. And that's just like who I am as a person. And if somebody doesn't like that, they're probably not going to be a good fit for me as a client. So that's what I've, I've learned is that the more radically authentic you are, the more like the better clients, better customers you're going to attract because they truly love like what you do and your personality and all of that. Wow. This is something I definitely need to hear. I took a spiritual development course this past fall after having like a few, you know, spiritual nudges and awakenings. And we did this um, telepathic exercise and it was basically guessing a movie that the mentor was thinking of. And she didn't tell us any hints. It was like basically a movie from the X century. And I 
didn't even really understand what century it was. Like I was getting so confused, but I just sat there mm-hmm. and quieted my mind and eventually wrote, like, it was like a flash of a movie came to me and I wrote it down. And then we went around and all, you know, said our answers and I got it right. And I was like, this is freaking me out. And then I did it again with my sister and at two different times, like a color, I got it right. I told her to think of a rapper. I got it right. And I was like, holy shit, this is scary. I need to like put this away and I don't want to bring it up. And just recently, I'm not even kidding, this week, someone asked me like, well, who is your seriously ideal client? Like not who resonates with your work, not who you think you want to work with. Like who Mm -hmm. is it? And I, it just hit me like, it's definitely spiritual women. So I would love to hear about this psychic gift that you uncovered and what you talked about with the whole ideal client thing. Did you figure that out early on or were you doing the thing in the beginning of let's see who resonates? I'm figuring this out. I would love to hear about that journey. Yeah. When I started out, I was definitely doing the thing of like, oh, I want to help people who were like stuck in their careers and yada, yada. And that was all well and good, but I'm, I always have a tendency to like fall back into being too analytical. And that's like, it's just how my brain works, but it's not where my genius is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it took my, my coach, like the reason I was attracted to her at the time was because she was an intuitive business coach. And like, I knew I was intuitive and I was like, you know, I think we can do amazing things together. So she was like, you need to come out of the closet. You need to come out of the closet, like out of the broom closet, as we say. So I finally did, but that's, that's really how it worked. And you know, at first, because especially because so many people in the network I was doing as a job hunt coach were lawyers because I have a law background and I was terrified that like I would basically repel them if I had this side to me. And I found that they welcomed it even more. They were just like, oh my God, yeah, I'm intuitive as well. Because of course we all are. We all have psychic gifts. They just come up in different ways and we call them by different names. We call them gut feelings or like, you know, just being up like really good with people or I can always tell when somebody's lying. Like we always, like everybody has a version of that. So for me, I was just calling it something different. I was just being more frank about what it was. And the way I would talk about it for my audience is I would just say like, you know, that thing that tells you like, you know what, let me go, um, let me ask this question in court or like, let me look up this, look up this deadline and make sure that like, you know, everything's good. Like when you get those little pings, like those are intuitive downloads. I had started getting, um, like a feeling that I had my, that my intuitive gifts were coming up like months, even before I started my business where I just started having lots of, um, synchronicities were happening. So I had always been somebody where if I thought of, if I was thinking of someone, they would text me or call me and I would be like, Oh, I, I was just thinking about you. That's so crazy. But it started happening more and more where I was, seeing it constantly. And also I'd have conversations with people and maybe like words I had said, somebody would, somebody totally unrelated would say them to me, like in another conversation a day or two later, my dreams started like, I mean, I was having, um, it's going to sound crazy when I say prophetic dreams, except they were always mundane. So it was like a conversation I had with somebody or it would be like, you know, something happening at work. So all of this stuff started presenting itself. And I was like, this is weird. Like, this is 
not the normal amount of what I'm used to, like what is going on. And that's when I went down a rabbit hole, like reading about psychic gifts, because years before I had seen a psychic in Casadega. I don't know if you're familiar with Casadega, Florida. Yes, it's on my yeah. list. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's a fun place to go. So I had seen like back when I was a good Catholic girl and I was like curious around the psychics. Like I went there with an ex, my boyfriend at the time, and I had gotten a reading from a Christian spiritualist. And he told me like, you have, you have, um, a few of the spiritual gifts, like a couple of the nine spiritual gifts from the old Testament. And he said, I have the gift of healing and the gift of wisdom. So I always knew what people needed to hear. And like my words would always heal them. They always felt better being around me. And it's so true. So I had thought about that and I was like, I wonder if that's a connection to like the clairs. So the different kinds of psychic gifts, psychic knowing, psychic sound, psychic visuals, that kind of thing. And I started researching it and I found Natalie Miles' podcast, So You Think You Are Intuitive. And her standalone podcast, where it's just her talking, is designed as a standalone course to deepen your psychic gifts. So I went back to episode one and I started from there. And she gives you exercises and meditations and things to do. And I realized like, holy shit, like, no, my stuff is has come back. And I, and I started remembering things from when I was a kid where I always made adults a little uncomfortable because I just like knew things. I knew things all the time and I would like say stuff and they'd be like, who is this like baby who's telling me about my life, right? So I think that basically like I picked up very early on where I was like, oh, I'm I'm getting ostracized for this. So I'm going to like stop doing it and then suppressed it and it started coming back. I think once I got to a point of non-judgment with myself and that's, I mean, it's been history ever since, but yeah, when I first started out, I was going all strategy. And once I started saying like, you know, I want to help anybody who's spiritual because that's what I use in my practice. That's who started coming to me. And what is that? So it's a really long answer to your question. No, I love it. I'm first of all running to download that podcast and Casadega is, I I'm, don't think I'm far from it. I'm in satellite beach. I don't know if you know where that is, but I don't think I'm too far from that. So it's on my list. It's right outside Orlando. Oh, it's perfect. Okay. Heading there soon. Um, Wow. That is so interesting that you made the shift and then you started attracting that. And you talked about this a bit on your Instagram TV, where when you started your business, you kind of had this rebellious tone and the clients you were attracting kind of had that they were almost rebelling against you. Can you expand on that concept? Because I found it so interesting. Yeah, it was like the wildest thing. And like, I'm always looking at things like that. I, I try to approach life as I'm always encountering mirrors. So every, like, you know, like Lacey Phillips says, nobody's your friend, nobody's your enemy, everybody's your teacher. And I try to apply that to everything. So when I see a pattern happening in my business, I, I look to myself and I say like, well, what am I doing? Or how am I showing up in a way that this is, that this is happening here? And so like one of the, one of those things that this was, you know, months ago, I had very much like, I think this is my Gemini ascendant. I have like, fuck you energy. I was like really showing up from this place of, um, 
like, fuck you, like, and calling people out and just kind of being like, you know, I don't care, like, whatever, like, I'm going to say what I want to say. And of course, like, you know, I like a bit of heresy, like, I like to say things that shock people. That's just like, uh, my personality. I've always, like, my humor is very much like that. So I realized that, like, I was like, oh, I think that I'm like hanging on to the fuck you too much because I'm getting clients who fight my advice. And I ended up, I think it was like my first two clients, I two or three clients, I ended up like, you know, ending our coaching contracts, just being like, this isn't a good fit because they fought my advice at like every single point. They were just like, oh, but what about this? Or like, I don't want to do that. Or like, that doesn't like sound great to me. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Like, why did you hire me then? And so I had to look at myself, like, how am I showing up? What kind of content am I writing about? Like, how have I been talking about things? And it was definitely more from this place of like, fuck you, like, fuck this, fuck that. I mean, not in those exact words, but that was like kind of the vibe of like what I was talking about was like that rebel energy of like, I don't really fit in anywhere. And, you know, um, like the way things are is like not how I want to be. And like, of course I need to be like that to a certain extent, but I had definitely like swung a little bit too far in that direction. And so once I dialed it back and I was like, okay, let me get, bring it back more to like a loving call out where it's like, I see things that I don't like and I talk about it and then I give a solution and like how I'm doing it from a place of love, like the people who are attracted to me shifted as well. Wow. That is, that is huge. That level of self-awareness because many people would say, Oh, I just attract these bad clients or, you know, what happened? I, I, these people suck, but you actually took the the step to say, well, what am I doing in this dynamic that's attracting these people and you can uncover so much. So that's a huge skill oh, yeah. that I'm sure. I right. Well. And if you see something that's repeating a lot, like I've had other repeating patterns since then too. Like I've had clients who like, you know, okay, I was attracting clients who like would not be able to pay me and then sign up somewhere else with another coach, like overcommit themselves. And so I was like, that's interesting. What's that about? And then I looked in my life. I'm like, well, where am I overcommitting? Like, where am I not respecting my energy, my finances, you know, my, my own, uh, like anything I value? Where am I like basically compromising and spreading myself too thin? And it's like, it's sometimes little shifts like that. When you take that perspective on things that oftentimes those are the things that shift. 100% that happened to me too. I had clients that were always rescheduling like the last minute, like two minutes before podcast interviews, like all this stuff. And then my financial coach actually called me out and she was like, you know, you tried to reschedule with me like three times. We only have eight sessions. So it's interesting that all of your clients are rescheduling or canceling mm -hmm. or last minute. And it didn't hit me. I was like, whoa, you're right. Like to me, rescheduling was not a big deal, but it is when you're in the, in the driver's seat where, you know, you've planned a whole session and you've prepped for it. And it was annoying to get the reschedules. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. I, I always reschedule on people. No wonder they're always canceling and rescheduling on me. And like you said, same thing with money. Like um, if I'm trying to have people pay me up front in full or even like pay on time with payment plans, am I doing that in my coaching relationships and courses? Because people can read that energy. It's not something that you're, right. you know, openly advertising. But like you said, it's kind of this subconscious 
energy that people pick up on you like well does she have that is she embodying it and it's interesting how you can attract it yeah you just have to be curious that's all like remove the judgment and be curious and that usually get like guides you to to a solid um like starting point absolutely Okay, so millennial money witch. I would love to get into the money aspect of this and the witchy aspect. So you talked about how you had that surge of, I think what you said, $30,000 in two weeks. Can you break that down? Like, what do you think happened then? And what was really the block that got uncovered? The block for me was just um, like, I had to, I think part of it was, facing the fear of like letting it go, like letting go of the job hunt coaching. And like, I still have an online course where it's like manifest your dream job because it's like, my system's amazing. But, you know, I got to this point where I was like, I had to kind of like jump off a cliff a bit where I was like, okay, I'm going to go the business coaching route instead. Like I know enough to do it. Like I know enough to like help people get started. So it was partially that. And I had also just gotten to this point and it was you know, from working with a variety, like working with my coach and then working with another like friend and healer where they had just kind of highlighted for me, like where I was selling myself short and like where I needed to expand, like, like how I saw myself. And so finally, like tapping into that feeling, the main thing of feeling abundant was I had to tell, I told myself like, well, what does a successful business mean to me? Like if I had a successful business, what would that look like? And to me, having a successful business meant nobody was my boss. So I didn't have a boss. It meant that I didn't go into an office. I got to like work from home or work from wherever or work on vacation or whatever I wanted to do, like work while traveling. And it meant that I was forever in control of setting my prices and how much I got paid. And when I realized that, I said, well, I may not have a lot of clients right now. I may only have like, you know, a few and they may not pay me a lot, but I have all of those things. I do like work from home. I work from wherever that wherever I want. I could travel if I wanted to. I have freedom. I don't have a boss. I do set my prices. So I already have a successful business. And that shifting how I saw it, that was huge. Because I no longer saw it as a failure. I was like, holy shit, like I'm a success. Like I've already hit my definition of success. And it's because like I, di I didn't attach any money to it. It was about like how would I want to feel? And I realized I already had it. That's why I always tell people like you need to give yourself the things that you want from your business like right from the get-go. So I'll get a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't wait for the day where I can like work like three hours a day and like that's it. And I'm like, why not? Why can't you do that now? Like three dedicated hours can sometimes add up to eight hours of like distracted work. So like do it. If that if you only want to take calls from noon until 7 p.m., do it. Like you don't have to be a morning person. I'm not a morning person. I woke up like literally an hour before this call. Like, I'm not, like that's it. I was like searching for my bra 10 minutes before we got on. Like I'm just not like I'm not a morning person. I'm an afternoon person. So I only take calls in the afternoon. So you have to put yourself in a position where you feel successful, like no matter what. And the other part of that is the fun. Fun is like so crucial. And fun is actually the secret of not just flow, but surrender. 
So you'll hear like manifestation rhetoric all around surrender. You need to surrender, surrender, surrender. And they'll talk about it in terms of like, you know, surrender what you want, meaning like you can't want it so badly, you know, and like the more you are focused on wanting it, the harder it is to connect with it. And the way I like to like to explain it to people is like when you're heating food up in a microwave. So if you're heating, if you're hungry, if you're like, like say like, you know, you're starving and you're heating up leftovers, if you stand right in front of the microwave and stare at the food spinning around for two minutes, it's the longest two minutes of your life. It's like all you can think about is like how hungry you are. If you take those two minutes and like see how much you can clean around the kitchen in two minutes, okay, it passes by pretty quickly, but it's like whatever. If you just totally walk away and you go do something fun, you go, you know, pursue your hobby or you like call a friend or you're having a good time, the next thing you know is the the food's been sitting there beeping in the microwave for an additional five minutes and you forgot all about it. That's the difference that fun makes when it comes to surrender. Surrender is not about like, sitting on a pillow in meditation until you get there. It's about enjoying the present moment and like living in the present to the point that you forget about the manifestation you're trying to call in. Okay. I love that analogy. So true. I did this two days ago. I was staring at the 30 second microwave. I'm like, is this the longest 30 (laughs) seconds of my life? What the fuck? It's 30 seconds. And then, yeah, if you just go do something, you're like, Oh, that flew by. That's an amazing analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's like, and that's the secret to fun. Yeah. Yeah. The surrender piece. It's so funny. You bring that up because I find that a lot of my clients are just getting into this world. So yeah, they hear these words like surrender and lean in and, and let go. And they're like, I don't get it. Like, shouldn't I be so laser focused on my manifestation or whatever money I want to call in? Like, shouldn't I be looking at it every single day? And, and then they hear the word surrender and they equate it with give up or just like stop doing it. And so right, it's so interesting that you have to kind of uh, re-explain, no, 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 it doesn't mean, like you said, sit on a meditation pillow or just give up and not look at it. But it, it reminds me of like mindset blocks and money blocks. So what, in your opinion, is a money block and how can you recognize them? A money block is normally like, it's it's harder to come across like at first if you're not super aware So a lot of times you have to think about like, what are the judgments or the stories that you've created in your mind around money? And a lot of times that can look like things like, um, you know, money's the root of all evil. Like it can come from like, you know, a religious background. It can come from how your parents or your caretakers viewed money. So like, you know, were they judgmental of rich people or poor people or anything like that? Um... And a lot of times if you're not like super aware of like what they are, the best thing you can do is follow your judgment and like your, I'll say like negative emotions. No emotions are negative, but the ones we don't enjoy feeling. So anger or like um, guilt, anything like that, you have to ask yourself, why am I feeling that? Like, where is that coming from? And like, when I, before I hired my coach, I was very like judgmental of her, like from this place of like, I was following her for months and I was like, who does this bitch think she is? Like, she's talking about money all the time, how much money she makes and like how easy it is for her. Well, I'm glad her life is so easy, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
I, I had all these judgments around her and I realized, oh, it's because she's living the life I want to live. Like I'm jealous, like literally, like I'm sitting here trying to be like a judgmental prick and I'm actually just really jealous of her. And so when I looked at that, I said, well, why? Like why? And I ended up hiring her because of that. I was like, she scares me and I'm judging her, which means that like I definitely need to hire her. Wow. So yeah, you got to follow anything that makes you feel angry, anything that you're judging, like all of that. And you just have to pinpoint why, what is it about them that bothers me so much, which is why like, you know, it drives me nuts when people just like, I just want to vent. Like, no, use your venting for like something positive, right? Like get to the root of why it's bothering you. Yeah. And it seems like you then started to overcome the the fear the block that you had around it so what was the was it a lesson a, something that clicked with that specific coach or what would you recommend when people have fear around money how to overcome that so i would say um a lot of times you have to like there is like there's usually a situation or a or a story or a judgment against yourself that you're avoiding because of this so for example um, and this is, this is, I, I have to preface this. This is going to sound so privileged and so judgy, but I just have to tell the story because it really illustrates it well. So before I moved here to Tallahassee, like, a, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was up in DC and I'd lived there for five years. And that's like where I had like gotten started on my business journey, all of that. And there was a moment over the summer where like, money, money was seeming to get stuck. It was like in August, like I was like, wait a second. Like I've been making like five figure month, five figure months, like for like several months straight now, what's going on? Like why, why are things like drying up right now? And, you know, I realized I, so I just did some soul, soul searching and I realized, um, like, I was just so afraid of losing it all. Like it was going so well. I was afraid of the rug being pulled out from under me. And I, so I really had to like think about, and I went through it with a, with a friend of mine and she was like, well, what are you like, what happens if like, if none of this works out, what's going to happen? Like, what if you never make another sale again? And like, like your business just totally flops. What would you have to do? And like, what, what would be so scary about that happening? And I said, I'd have to move back to Florida and I'd have to like get a law job and I would just like have to be like, you know, like everybody else. Like I would just have to be like this boring, like nine to five person. And she said, okay. And like in that lifestyle where you live in Florida and you've gone back to your legal career, like tell me about that life. Like what, what's the worst, what's the worst case scenario for you? Like where, what are you, where are you shopping? Where are you eating? Like what's the first thing that comes to mind? And I said, I buy everything at Walmart, like my groceries, my clothes, my, you know, my home goods, like everything I have to buy at Walmart. And she was like, who comes to like, when you think about shopping at Walmart, like who are the first people that come to mind? I said, my parents. And she was like, well, and what do you associate with your parents? Like negative things. And I was like, well, they're like, you know, very scarcity. Like my, my mom like grew up in the South Bronx, like very scarcity mindset. And so it's like, she buys everything at Walmart because it's cheap. I mean, not everything now, like now she's 
not as bad, but like raising four kids. Yeah. That was where she went for everything. And she was like, what do you judge your parents for? And I was like, I, well, I definitely judge my dad for like not being educated, for being like vaguely racist. Um, like for being ignorant, you know, I, I judge both of them for that. And she was like, okay, so the fear around, around failure is not that it means you have to go back to a legal job. It's not that you mean, it means, um, anything. It means that you're afraid that if this doesn't work, that you are ignorant, that you're racist and that you are not special. Like that's what you're afraid of. Like that's what it would mean about you. I was like, holy shit, you're right. And so I realized that like the thing I had to do, which I hadn't done in years, was I needed to go shopping at Walmart because I needed to live through the experience of being like, this is where I go buy my groceries. Because like when I was a when I was a teenager, it was like we bought like everything there, you know, and I remember like trying on a bra. And I was like, we went to the Walmart that was like close to my school. And I went to like a private school with like lots of like doctors and lawyers kids. And I was so paranoid that like somebody would be there maybe like after church, like pick up something from the store and they would see me buying my bras there. Like that was like such a, like such a paranoid thing that I had as a teenager. And so I knew I needed to go to Walmart. I needed to try on bras. I needed to go feel what it was like to like live that situation And I realized that like once I was there and once I was doing all of this, like first of all, the reason I I hated Walmart was not because of like Walmart shoppers. It was definitely just because it's very loud and very crowded. (laughs) But I had to like live through it and show myself like I'm the same person here than I am everywhere else. And guess what? By being judgmental about the people who were shopping here, by being judgmental toward my parents, I am being ignorant. And I am being racist because I'm definitely stereotyping who who shops at Walmart. So in living through that, I had all these realizations. I was like, holy shit, like I'm I'm exactly what I'm already afraid of. And like there's an, and it doesn't make me any less deserving, just like it doesn't make my parents any less deserving. So I had that experience. And the funny thing is that what happens like six months later is like I actually like made the decision to move back with my fiance to Florida where we regularly shop at Walmart. And I don't make it mean anything because I had to like go through it that first time. But it's just an example of how there's always a narrative and there's always a physical representation of that fear that we're avoiding because we're so desperate to prove ourselves in one way or the other. Wow, that is so powerful. And I'm also laughing inside because no joke, I am shopping with my dad at Walmart tonight. <laughs> it is like <laughs> on my calendar because he, he we wanted to go get shampoo last night. And he's like, why don't we just wait to go to Walmart? I was like, okay. And he's like, yay, Walmart trip. Like he loves going there. And so I was like, okay, I'll put it on my calendar. So I'm like, wow, what a weird thing to bring up during this podcast interview. And it's on my That's calendar so tonight. But to your point, I, my dad shops at Dollar General and Walmart and my mom comes from a very different background. And so, yeah, combining those two lenses into my own, I started to make up these stories of like, well, what does this mean about our money situation and what type of people are we if we shop here, but then here and you just start to create these narratives. But to your point, if you just stop making it mean anything to me, I'm like, yeah, I need to go to Walmart and get some shampoo tonight. 
that's it. Right. You don't have that. Yeah. And it lo- and that's the thing is that it looks different for everybody. And I've walked through so many clients through this process and I'm always astounded at like, what is their trip to Walmart? Because it's been some like, it's just totally different than anything I've, I then it's never the trip to Walmart. It's always their own unique thing. For example, one client was like, I have this narrative that I'm a selfish, spoiled brat. And so like, I have to be like extra frugal and extra responsible with my money. And so, and she like the thing she judged people all the time for were expensive purses. And I was like, so you know what your ass needs to do? You need to go buy an expensive purse. Like you need to go to Louis Vuitton and go buy an expensive purse. She was like, can I buy a wallet? Cause I need a wallet. And I was like, no, no, you need to go buy a purse. That's what you need to go buy. Not on clearance either. You got to go buy a purse. And she like went and did it and had the best time. She was like, I felt so good. She was like, I real, I actually found something I liked. And, you know, I felt she was like, you know, I walked away and I realized like it had nothing to do with the purse. It had to do with like what I was making it mean. I'm like, exactly. And another person who like her thing was that she had to tell her sister that she was right. Her sister was like, you think you're so above us and like you think that like, you know, you've got all this money and you act like this and that. And I was like, you got to go tell your sister, you're right. You're calling me on my shit and I am all those things. And she was like, no, anything but that. And like, that's how it should feel. It should feel like anything but that. I I need like, I don't care what it is, but I don't want to do that thing. That's the thing you always need to do because it's the, it's the avoidance of that situation that's keeping you stuck because on some level you're doing everything you possibly can to avoid that trip to Walmart. Wow. 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 That is so insane. I'm, I'm curious too, because something that comes up a lot with my clients and, and pretty much anyone that is investing in coaches is debt. They have, they make mm-hmm. debt mean something like they are worthless, irresponsible. They can't manage their money. What is your opinion on debt? And, and what do you do when clients come to you with that feeling? Debt needs to be like a like it's a perspective shift. So like if I let debt stop me, like I have over three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. If I like judged that and made it mean that I'm not worth making money because I'm not good with my money because I made a very big risky financial decision in going to law school, then I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So the thing I tell people is that you have to be grateful for your debt. That's the big shift that you need to make because debt gave you the opportunity to live the life that you needed to live at that time. And I don't care if you spent like 60 grand on like $600 swimsuits and dildos. Like I don't care what it was that you bought. It doesn't matter. But the point is that when you're in a place where your coping mechanism was buying $600 bathing suits and dildos, like you were able to do it. So you can't be judgmental toward the past version of yourself. You have to be grateful for that debt. Every time you make a payment, you need to be like, thank you for being there for me when I needed it. Like that's how you have to view it. And you also have to view it with like a pretend plus sign because you're going to pay that down. So it is a preview of all the money you're about to make. Ooh, I love that. I just got chills because I've never heard it be framed with the plus sign. Because to your point, it is money that you're paying back. So you're clearly going to have like that. I just never heard it that way. It's so interesting. Yeah. And to your point, it allowed you to live the life you wanted to live. 
I think people, they, they spend their money and then they get really nervous. Oh my God, what did I just do? But I'm like, but you never buy anything that you actually didn't want. Or for example, I was in a lot of debt when I was living in Australia, but I'm like, I was living in fucking Australia. Like I was living yeah, the life of my dreams. Life. Yeah. Right. So why would I now that I'm back in Florida be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm like, no, that debt got, that credit card got me to actually it's eventually meet my boyfriend. We met in Byron Bay and I could have never gone to Byron Bay if I didn't have my credit card. So it's like, thank you credit card for allowing me to meet my boyfriend in Byron Bay. So I yep. love that you said, be grateful for it. Like, thank you for allowing me that opportunity. So interesting. Exactly. Yeah. What are some of the richy, witchy rituals that you can implement to gain abundance? Ooh, there are so many good ones. So they, you know, they range in difficulty and like, generally I say like the best way to kind of go about building like a, a witchy ritual for yourself is just like do some Google searching and then like follow anything that resonates with you and kind of put your own spin on it. I'm a big fan of what I call Cheeto dust witchcraft, which means like, again, it's not about perfection. It's not about like everything is perfect. It needs to be like, you know, you, 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 like there are two kinds of witches. They're the ones who like bathe and put on the robes. And then there are the ones who like wipe the Cheeto dust off their fingers and say, let's do this. And I'm definitely that one. So some of the stuff that I like to do, like you always want to work with the moon phases. That's the most important thing. And so the my favorite times are basically like the full moon and the new moon. So the new moon is all about growth and manifestation and bringing things to you because the moon is going to get larger over the next few weeks. The full moon, you can do anything basically, like whatever you want to do, do it on the full moon. And then other than that, like the other times are like basically like the first quarter, the last quarter moon. But you just want to think about like what direction is the moon going to go in? Is it going to get bigger? Is it going to get smaller? So if it's getting smaller, then you want to cast spells of decrease. And so that can look like because you'd be like, what do you mean decrease with money spells? Well, that would look like decreasing blocks. That's like a road opener spell. So I'm decreasing my blocks, decreasing limiting beliefs. So spells of decrease are really powerful. And then spells of increase are good if the moon is getting larger. So the new moon or the first quarter moon, those are good times for that, for that energy as well. And so that's more about like the attraction and the manifestation. So there's, there are tons of things you can do. Some really simple ones. Um, I have like, I have a few that I love. So I will give, I'll give like, I'll give one that's an attraction based one and I'll give one that's, um, a, I'll do an increase and a decrease one. So for example, like with, um, like a decreasing spell, I like doing like what's called, um, you can do, it's called a road opener spell. So basically it's just saying like, you're trying to like reduce the blocks in your path to connect with like what your manifestation is. And so with that, it's a, you want to, you can do work with, um, you, with deities. So deities are just, it doesn't really matter whether you actually believe in them or not. They're more about like the symbolism of the deities. So you can be like a, a God-fearing Christian person. That's totally fine. You know, you can still do that and still work with the deity because they represent just certain aspects of the human experience. So for example, with like a road opener spell, working with 
the god Ganesha from Hinduism, Ganesha is considered like the guardian. And so he opens up obstacles for you. So he like, that's what he does. And so what you can do is basically you create a little altar. And so you want to make sure it's clear, like it's nice and clean and it doesn't have to, you don't have to like, you know, get like a specific altar. It can be a windowsill and just wipe it down. And with Ganesha, you just like want like a little picture or a little statue of an elephant, anything that kind of calls that to mind because Ganesha is the god with the elephant head. Mm-hmm. And you basically like you want to put things on the altar that like you can often do, for example, um, like one of each element. So like fire, air, earth and water and things like that. It can be like, you know, earth can be like a leaf that you found outside. Water can be a cup of water. Fire can be a candle and air can be a candle because that you need both. So anytime you use candles, you want to use white candles because they're kind of the catch-all candle. Like you can use different colors, like green for money, um, red or, or pink for love, of course, but like you, but you can never go wrong with a white candle. And basically like you have your little statue of Ganesha or a little like picture of an elephant and you kind of want to give these offerings from nature and you can just say a little rhyme that says, uh, Lord Ganesha, please join us here. Well, this is we, but you can say, I Lord Ganesha, please join me here. I wish to see the path is clear. I ask for your help on this day to find out how to clear the way. And you want to say that like three times, light the candle and just sit in meditation is a big part of it as well. You can even journal about what blocks that you feel are coming up and like what actions you feel like you can take that are going to like change the course. And I love doing a flame meditation where you look at the candle flame because I struggle with meditation when I don't have something to focus on. So a candle flame meditation, you look at the flame of the candle and you just focus on that while you imagine like your obstacles kind of burning up in the flame and like any kind of like limiting beliefs and you want to do visualization. So imagine like the emotions you're going to experience when you finally connect with what you're trying to call in. For me, like I love to write things out. That's like really helpful for me. Um, And then think like that you can do a spell. That's like a specific spell. You can also do even little rituals. Like for example, like in feng shui, like you can take warm water and some cleansing essential oils like rosemary or lavender and just like wash your front door with that, like with a rag, that's something that's supposed to cleanse the energy of the front door. You know, of course, like smudging is really popular where you use, um, like cleansing herbs, which you don't need to go buy fancy ones. You can literally get rosemary from the grocery store, dry it out and use that, like set that on fire or like a salt bath, anything like that. Those are going to be great for clearing and cleansing. And then as for like attraction spells like you can you can do um a variety of things like something that's fun is i love anything that involves um lighting things on fire like (laughs) that's like my favorite thing i love to do that um but for 
like attracting things to yourself, you know, you can even something as simple as, again, like lighting a little candle, making a little altar with the four elements. And then you can write your limiting beliefs or like the things that you're trying to call in. So like, let's say like, so this is um like for gain, you can write the things you're trying to call in on a basil leaf or not basil, um, a bay leaf. So like the, the big dried leaves that that's this, you can get at the grocery store, it's a spice. You write what you're trying to call in and you burn that. Another thing you can do is take a, a paper money, so a dollar bill or anything like that, and you do you take cinnamon and a cup of water so you dip your finger in the cup of water and then dip it in the ground cinnamon and you draw three lines coming toward you on the dollar bill and then you want to take that dollar and go spend it because like that's basically a little ritual that's like attracting money to you the cinnamon is drawing it toward you and then when you go out and spend it in the world i don't care if it's dirty nobody's going to care they're not going to notice whether that's like dropping it in a tip jar or paying for gum with it or something like that you're putting that intention out into the world wow love these i yeah they're so fun i love doing them like i love to do um little like spell circles with people so i like to do like little workshops where it's like we'll do business stuff one day and then the next day we do like witchy ritual stuff because it gives you a sense the other thing is that gives you a sense of control right like it makes you feel better like okay well i've i've done something to recognize my intention and like what I've done, like what I'm trying to do. And that's the thing to keep in mind is that no matter what kind of spell work you do, it's all about intention. It doesn't matter if you're doing it quote unquote right or wrong, doesn't matter. It's all about like, what's your true intention here? Like, and holding that like in your heart. I'm obsessed. Is there one that you've done that like immediately you're like, holy shit, this is freaky how much abundance just came in from this spell or what I let go of? Oh, um, the road opener spell that got me the Forbes article. I was like, oh my God, that came like literally like within a week or two after I was so, it was so freaky. And then, um, I did on the eclipse in December, I did, this was just with friends. I was like, you know, we have all been in ruts. Like we've kind of all been in like this funk. Let's do a change of course spell. Cause like there's a little bit of, um, superstition around eclipses and like you don't want to charge your crystals on like a lunar eclipse or anything but eclipses are great for change so it's like you know it's like you can make moon water on the eclipse but that's like gonna be like chaotic shit like that's like you are stuck and you need something to change so it's like generally i don't do stuff like that but what I but like a change of course spell is fun because essentially what you're saying is like I want to use this like erratic energy from the eclipse to really like shake things up and turn things around. And so I led some friends in a change of course spell on the eclipse in December. And literally two weeks later, we had been looking for an apartment in Tallahassee for I think six weeks at that point, and nothing was really like catching our eye. Everything felt like we would be settling in some way. And what came through was our apartment. Like it was, and it was literally everything I wanted that was important and everything that my fiance wanted that was important. And like at a, like a great price for both of us. So it was like absolutely perfect. 
that was like the main thing that came through. Wow. Okay. So this stuff works, guys. We we have evidence. I've uh, I did a um I think a new moon spell back in October, and literally within two. I think two days I signed two one-on-one clients, which in my mind, I thought that would take me like six months. I was like, okay, this wow. works. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And like, it's, could it be a placebo effect? Maybe. Yeah. Does it matter? Not really. Exactly. No. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, you don't actually, my friend told me this actually, she owns a, a company called Studio Shift and she does like intuitive business planning and energy readings and really mixes like spirituality with business. And she did a guest expert workshop in my course about moon rituals and I remember being like this is bullshit or whatever like I don't know that this actually works and she's like you don't even have to believe it like you don't have to believe that the moon is this powerful thing but it's a good time to check in because it's nature like you can just see that it's a full moon and use it as a time Mm -hmm. to check in and yes it could be a placebo effect but it's like uh, who cares if it works it worked I was like oh okay that's interesting and then I, I like I said I tried that new moon ritual and bam worked so like you said was it placebo i don't know who cares yeah who cares exactly it's just like when people get their panties in a twist about astrology being real or not real it's like does it matter if it makes you learn things about yourself literally just have this conversation with my boyfriend he's like i feel like you look to the stars to validate things and i'm like well who cares if i'm getting validation from a astrological article that makes me feel good for the day and I'm in a better mood. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. I had one of those and then I got my, um, I got my fiance, like a Saturn return reading with my friend and my podcast co-host. And he was like in the, he was like, this was when we were in DC. So he was like locked in our bedroom for like two hours. Um, because he was just like in a funk and I was like, it's his Saturn return. He's just in the midst of it. And so he was in there with her like on Zoom for like a good two hours. And then he came out and he sees – he like locks eyes with me and he goes, astrology is real. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. Okay. I need a book with that person because I swear <laughs> I'm in the middle of my Saturn return. I turned 30 in two weeks. So I have been like on the hunt for a Saturn return reading. Oh, yeah. You've you've been in it then for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I felt it, but I was like, is it COVID? Is it like being abroad? Like, I don't know. Is it just growing up? So then I I started hearing about Saturn returns. I was like, okay, I think that's it. The best way. So like, you know, just for anybody who may be in their Saturn return, I'm out of mine by like a couple of years, but wherever, if you look on your chart, like you look at the wheel, So you want to find the symbol for Saturn and see what house it's in. And then you want to look up what that house is about. And that normally tells you where in your life you're feeling your Saturn return the most. Ooh, okay. I need to like look that up right after this. Yeah. That's like the shortcut to basically like where, like how are things changing for you big time? So like for him example, like it was in a sixth house which is all about like daily life. It's associated with Virgo. So it's like his daily tasks. And so what has happened in the past, like, you know, year, two years for him, it's like he moved in with me. He started a PhD program. The world went online and he's always been like an in-person kind of person. And so it's like his daily life has like shifted so much during his Saturn return. Whereas for me, it was in the 10th house about, which is all about like fame and career. And like, that was like when I first moved to DC and I got a job at 
uh, Bloomberg Law. So I was reporting on all these big high profile cases. I was reporting from the Supreme Court. So I had a huge, like, huge career shift and like got like low key Twitter famous at one point. So I had a lot of stuff happen that way in my Saturn return. So it happens differently for all of us. Wow. I'm obsessed with that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to buy my boyfriend this reading. He's going to be like, what the fuck is this? But he needs to hear it. I know an astrologer, not the, not my podcast co-host cause she's in school right now, but, um, another friend of mine does like, she's starting to do Saturn return stuff because that she's in hers. So now she's teaching it to other people and she's an astrologer. So I'll connect you. I love that. Okay. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever about money and business and witchiness and spirituality, but I would love to end with some rapid fire questions, not anything too hard. So are you up sure? For Oh yeah, always. Okay, what is your horoscope? Okay, so my big three. Yeah, I'm a Pisces sun moon and a Gemini ascendant. Okay, what about your human design? I'm a projector with emotional authority. And for the nerds, um, my profile is 5'1". I'm just getting into this, so I need to look into it. I'm a reflector, profile 6'2", and I'm pretty sure non-emotional, but I need to like nail Mm. that down. Yeah, your authority, like you, it'll say like what your authority is. So mine is mine is emotional, which means like I ride an emotional wave, which is so true. I have very high highs, very low lows, and I cycle through all of them in a week. Oof. Okay, I need to look into this. I'm obsessed with it. What about your favorite color? Blue, and I love all all shades of it, but any kind of blue green, I'm into. Okay, we're the same. Um, I, my branding is like baby blue turquoise any shade of blue Uh, yeah (laughs) my boyfriend got me baby blue headphones for christmas i i have baby blue like all over the place baby blue and like turquoise i'm obsessed with yes like turquoise i love turquoise i love aqua i love teal like all of those yeah Yeah, those like blue green colors are my favorite Maybe it's like a florida girl thing by the water (laughs) maybe it's gotta be something like that what is your favorite trend Ooh! oh my word um, I'm really into like the seventies kind of fashion that's coming back. I'm really into it. I love the seventies. So anything that's remotely seventies I'm into. Love that. What about if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I always say there's an alternate universe where I'm like a goth engineer. <laughs> like I because I feel like I have such like a goth heart. Like I just I love anything like spooky and creepy and Halloween and all of that. Um and I think that I would have been like a really good like I think I actually if I didn't have like, you know, if I didn't fail the threes and fours times tables and made it mean that I was bad at math, I think I actually would have like pursued something like that. So but if I, but in this life, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd probably, I guess I, you know, I'd probably be a matchmaker. I think that's what I would pursue because I'm really good at setting people up. My only problem is that I don't know enough single men. <laughs> You'd find more. I have a lot of single men friends, so. Do you? Yeah, I can send them over your way. Oh my God. We're going to talk after <laughs> this for real. I have so many single friends and I'm really good at setting people up. Okay. We will definitely connect offline. And then finally, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. So this might go back to the last question, but what are you not an expert in that you wish you were? Oh, oh that's like a loaded question for a projector because there's so <laughs> many things I want to be an expert in that I'm not. 
Mm. And then there are also a lot of things that I think I'm an expert in that I'm not. <laughs> That's why I like <laughs> named this podcast it because I'm like, you know, I think I'm an expert, but I'm really not. So I'm just going to call the podcast that. I love it. I, you know, I think it would be, I would love to know more about like pets and animal communication and stuff like that. Like, I think that would be amazing. Like I'm not an expert whatsoever in like how animals communicate. Although like I have a very special bond with my cat. I always know what she wants and what she's trying to say to me, but I would just love to know like how people, like how to communicate with animals. I think that would be so powerful. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. That's really interesting. Yeah. So what is coming up for you? Where can everybody work with you? What's on the radar? Let us know everything. Yeah. So you can find me online. I'm on Instagram, J underscore De Silva, but you can also search the Millennial Money Witch and you'll find me that way. I have a free group on Facebook. If you just like find my name there, like you'll be able to join from there. Um, and I have a program coming out next month and it's all about like nailing your first five figure launch. So it's like how to, how to launch like a group program or a one-on-one offer that's going to be like, get you to that first 10 K at the minimum and anywhere up from there. So that's what it's going to be all about and be on the lookout. Cause I'm always doing like full moon spell circles, new moon spell circles. I do them like whenever I feel like it. So it's not every month. Um, it's like, what am I needing to heal? What am I needing to work on? And then I'll open it up to other people. Love so. that. And your Instagram has so much value. I was stalking your Instagram TVs. I'm like, which one do I want to watch next? Because they all have so much value and information. So thank you for your amazing Instagram as well. Oh, thanks. I try, I really try to like put as much value out there as I can. I feel like Access to information, especially for like early entrepreneurs is so, so key. 100% agree. Well, thank you so much. I absolutely love this conversation. I think we're gonna have to do a part two and continue down the money witchy stuff, but I loved talking to you and thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime. I'm always happy to. Well, there you have it. Everything from manifesting abundance through spells, reframing debt, I mean, where did we not go in this episode? I feel like I could have talked to Jessie for three more hours. We have so much in common, and it was so nice to hear her perspective on spirituality and money mindset. So if you're interested in working with Jessie, find her on Instagram, J underscore De Silva, and I will link everything in show notes. And again, you can find me at Chelsea Rife. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-R-I-F-F-E. And you can visit my website, ChelseaRife.com. I have group programs coming out that will be more short-term experiences as well as long-term one-on-one coaching. So if you want to do either of those things, just shoot me a DM at Chelsea Rife or head to my website and we can get in contact. All right, guys, I hope you really found value in this episode. I had so much fun with it. I really want to try the road opener spell. So if you try one of those, let us know. Be sure to upload this in your Instagram stories and tag both of us and we will see it and reshare and let us know what your favorite part was. All right, with that, I will see you next week. 